Hey, Pie Tribe, buckle up for a new episode of the Passive Income Examiner, the number one podcast for budding entrepreneurs and business owners looking to diversify their income with passive strategies. Welcome to season two, focused on building successful online businesses with evergreen marketing solutions. I'm your host, Lindsay Sutherland. Thanks for joining me. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Passive Income Examiner today. We have another amazing guest, and I'm super excited. This is Di Manuel. He is joining us from Vancouver, Canada. He's a super dad, dating his wife, and he leads his life by example by living a contagious and joyful life. And I'm excited because today we are talking about three specific ways that you can design your life. Uh, but there's so much more here to unpack and die. I just can't wait to dive in here. So tell me, start by just telling us a little bit about yourself and uh, you know how you got to where you are in life. Oh. Yeah, let's start with the easy stuff first. Uh, no, I just, <laughs> you know, Lindsay, I got to first acknowledge you. Thank you for just creating a space where these types of conversations can happen. You know, I've, I've had the opportunity to sort of start doing some deep dives into a lot of your other content. And man, I love what you're putting out. Well, and, thank uh, you. I'm excited to have it. a guest like this for the, for the, our Monday mindset and just, you know, in general, because I think so much of our life is by design. And once we start mm. to really recognize that, we really take back the power and can then start being productive and fruitful. And so that's kind of why I talk mm. about it so much. So I'm excited to hear what, you know, how you've done that too. Well, thank you. Thank you. You know, it, it's, uh, and it's hard, right? As entrepreneurs, I think, um, well, a lot of times we feel like we're on an island. Right. Like we kind of feel like we're on our own and we just sort of have to figure things out as we go. And and uh, every once in a while, you know, you get into certain communities and it feels like there's a little bit of animosity. You know what I mean? Like a little bit of competitive nature there and people don't want to be as open or sharing what's working for them. And uh, those are types of groups I don't try to uh, surround myself with anymore. But uh, I remember when I first started down the path of entrepreneurship, it, it felt like that at times. You know, it felt like it just you weren't really feeling supported. Yeah, yeah that's also why your own crazy yeah. like, looking yeah. for comparisonitis, you know. <sighs> yeah, it's, it's crazy, right? So, you know, all that being said, uh, my, my path is no different than anybody else's path, it's it's rarely a straight line. Uh, I mean, it's been all over the map. Um, but I'm someone that's been in the health and wellness industries for 28 years, you know, working professionally, whether as a personal trainer, uh, I also had a, a chain of retail stores and, and built that up to, to eight figures a year and exited out seven years ago. And uh, because I wasn't passionate about it anymore, you know, I, I loved it, got into it for the right reasons, right motivations. But you know, we all change, we all change, we evolve. And our passions change and, and our, our, our visions change for, for where we're going and ultimately how we want to get there. And uh, that definitely happened with my wife and I and our kids, our whole family. We, we just we, we shifted and we realized that the path that we were on, especially the one I was on professionally, just wasn't fulfilling anymore. You know, I wanted more. I wanted to be a full time family. I wanted to, to have a, a nomadic lifestyle that allowed us to be full time as a family, but yet travel the world and experience cultures as slow travelers, not like, oh, we got a week vacation. Let's go and hang out here for a week at a resort. I mean, we've done that too. Hey, don't get me wrong. I'm not putting that down. It's it's fun and it's nice to have that unplugging. But you know, we were desiring to, to really submerse ourselves in, in cultures. And, uh, you know, seven years ago, it was pretty intimidating, pretty scary. But you know what? It felt the right the right thing to do. So we just did it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we so it as we went, you know. <laughs> now, is your, was your primary income running that company? That So... 
It's interesting. I had a side income that allowed me to, to exit away from that in, in a much more uh, comfortable way. Let's just put it that way. I, I've been building up my own online platform for 15 years, blogging and just doing a lot of stuff in the social media space. And uh, so when it came time for us to talk about changing or transitioning to a different profession, even though it wasn't going to be anywhere near replacing what my old income was, it was enough that if we sort of reevaluated the life we wanted and got really clear on engineering the lifestyle that was important to us, we started to realize it doesn't actually take that much money. <laughs> you know, it was like for the things that we wanted, it was very doable with with some of the side income I'd already been bringing in. And uh, so it gave yeah. us choices, gave us options, you know. This episode is brought to you by Kajabi, the platform with a full suite of world-class online business tools working seamlessly together. I've been using Kajabi now for nearly a year, and I'm absolutely in love with this program. Prior to Kajabi, I was experimenting with other platforms, and so many of them were not user-friendly. They were difficult to get online pages to sync up with the cart or getting opt-ins and emails to be easily set up. I was beginning to dread the time it was going to take to set up a simple landing page. Honestly, I can say that since working with Kajabi, I have been extremely happy. I can't imagine leaving for any reason at this point, mainly because it saves me so much time and it doesn't give me a headache. Listen, I consider myself pretty tech savvy, but that doesn't mean that I want to be a tech genius every time I want to put together an offer. Kajabi makes it so simple to create online products and it gives me the tools I need so my marketing is synchronized. I really can't say enough great things about Kajabi. If you click the link in the description, you will get a free 30-day trial with Kajabi on behalf of the Passive Income Examiner. So be sure to check out the description. Now back to the show. Well, I just want to pause there for a second because I think that's really interesting. So often like on the podcast, we talk about people who are kind of stuck in their nine to five, right? But in your case, it sounds like and correct me if I'm misunderstanding you, but sounds like you had your own company, which was almost a nine to five in and of itself, even though you were the the CEO of the company, it was still, I guess, that, that symbol of a ball and chain, so to speak, to where your life was restricted because of your, your business. And I think people, you know, need to really realize that sometimes starting a business, we think that's the way out of the nine to five, Mm -hmm. but sometimes it's the way into kind of another similar situation. So I'm really curious, like, is, did you ever have like a regular job and then you built your business or were you just straight off entrepreneur kind of from the get-go? I was always attracted to entrepreneurship. My parents were entrepreneurs. My my father had a, a veterinary practice. So after graduating vet school, you know, him and a, his classmate decided to to start their own practice. And so, you know, right from scratch, getting that built up to the point where, you know, they had 12 full-time vets working for them. You wow. know, like he built a very successful practice in, in those almost 50 years running this practice, you know, and uh, so he, he really had accomplished a lot. So I got to see that work ethic and see him really work through the highs and the lows uh, mm-hmm. and everything in between. And uh, my dad was also very stoic. Uh, he wasn't naturally a businessman because he's not very extroverted either. He's very introverted, but his partner complimented that because he was the opposite. And so it was neat to see how differing personalities can complement one another in a business situation as far as an ownership and running operationally a, a practice, you know? Yeah. And so I, I grew up watching this and observing this. And um, I mean, I didn't say, hey, when I'm older, I want to own a business, you know? Like, I mean, that wasn't what I was saying, uh, but I was attracted to that because also my mom always had a side hustle. 
always, you know, and, you know, whether it was a uh, um, antique shop, you know, or, or uh, Airbnb, or sorry, not Airbnb, a BNB, which now then eventually converted into Airbnb, uh, when that service became more prominent. Uh, so there was always a side hustle as well. So I, I saw my parents always sort of doing that. And so something I was definitely attracted to that, that idea of creating something that provides tremendous value to people. And yet at the same time, allows me to live a lifestyle that I want to live. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I was, a, and just so you know, full disclosure, I, I was a junior partner, even though I was a co-founder, I wasn't the money guy. Mm-hmm. I was the workhorse. Ah. Uh, all the equity I earned was through sweat equity. And for those that are familiar with that, it means that you work a lot. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you work a lot. And, and I did for those 17 years that we were partners building that company. I worked a lot. You know, I, I, I missed out on some things, you know, with my family. And uh, I, I did I make sacrifices? Well, I mean, I don't like calling them sacrifices because I knew what I was doing. I didn't feel like I was sacrificing anything, but I was prioritizing certain things. Right. And and that's what I did. Well, know? I and, think everybody goes through that. I mean, when I started into the car business, I was super mm-hmm. excited. Like I had this vision of becoming a GM and I was going to mm. like I had I wanted finance. That was like my ultimate goal. Like I was on that path. of, of I was on the GM track. But then, you know, I had babies and then life yeah. changed. And it's like, wait a second. I see what these guys are doing in that position. And I don't want that. You know, I want to be with my kids more and I can't do both. And I totally understand your priorities shifted. And so there you you were, you guys were kind of like, all right, this is what life's like now. And this is what we want life to be like. What was that process like for you? How, like, how did you really, when you talk about designing your life, what steps did you take? Well, to be perfectly blunt, my wife had the vision before I did. <laughs> you know, she is a traveler. Uh, she always was into traveling. And when I first met her, when we were in her early 20s, you know, she was just on a, she was here in Vancouver again, just saving up money so she could go traveling again. You know, that, that was her her lifestyle. It was like, I'd come back to Vancouver. She, she'd work in the restaurant or service industries, bank a lot of money, and then go away for a year, right? And so she had been doing this for a few years and, and I interrupted that pattern. <laughs> You know, and uh, and it was wonderful. You know, I, I uh, when I think about it now, it was, it's just amazing how things sort of work out and, and, and things fall into place. But we, we, we got together, you know, and we made this commitment to one another. And, and we also started having kids very early on, you know, within the first few years of being together, we, we, we had our first daughter and then a couple of years later, our second daughter. So, you know, both of us in our mid 20s, two kids. Meanwhile, I'm trying to build a business. Uh, and on top of that, you know, she's she's building a home and uh, building our home and our lifestyle. But, and, and here's the thing, and there's a big but. There was always the intention and to be fair, the promise I had made saying, you know, because she'd always expressed, she always envisioned having a family, but being a traveling family, mm. a family that experiences cultures. Like we're not collectors of things, but we are collectors of experiences. Mm-hmm. And uh that's a priority to her. And I wanted to honor that. Now it just took me 17 years to, to get to that place where I could honor it. Um, and a lot of growth happened in those 17 years, a lot of changes and a, a, it was a lot of fun. I learned a lot, but we get to a point sometimes where it's not fun anymore. Yeah. It's not fulfilling. And, and I was there, you know, the last few years of working in that business just didn't feel passionate, but Fortunately for me, you know, a number of years prior to that, I had started doing my own things, not as a, a any, I, full disclosure, I didn't plan on monetizing what I was doing online because I had a career, 
Mm-hmm. I had an existing business. So it wasn't like I needed to build a side hustle. I wasn't even thinking about it in that terms at the time. But meanwhile, I'd started building this, this platform, you know, and this, this awareness around my personal brand and, and me just being a person that wants to help others create lifestyle changes. Mm-hmm. And it grew to the point where it, it, it outgrew my, my core business, which was the fitness equipment retail business, which created a lot of conflict with my business partners. And uh, eventually, you know, the writings on the wall, as they say, pardon the cliches, but that was it. You know, they, yeah. we, we could see that we disagreed, to, we, we agreed to disagree. And ultimately we were growing apart. Mm-hmm. And so when it came time to make a decision, then my wife was dripping on me for about two years, sending me little podcasts, <laughs> traveling nomadic families that were around. Like, I didn't even realize all this stuff existed. Yeah. And I was kind of a poo-pooer. You know, I'd be like, no, nah, we can't do that. There's no way. That's impossible. You know, like I was so fixed in my mindset and it was rather negative, you know, rather negative. But my wife's the opposite. Very growth mindset. Very, very optimistic uh, uh, to a fault. Okay. <laughs> and um, again, we compliment each other, which is really nice on that front. And she kept dripping on me, kept planting these little seeds in my mind to the point where I started saying, well, you know what? I'm so adamant and, and fighting so vehemently the, the reasons why we can't. What if I took half that energy? And this is what she challenged me. She said, take half the energy that you used to go against this idea. Just apply half the energy to what if? What would that look like? You know, and, and that just changed my perspective just enough that I started looking at things and being like, well, why not? Why am I saying we can't do that? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's what we need to start question. with. Yeah. Like right there, because, you know, I remember, and I've heard this so many times on podcasts and I know I said it. And it, for me, it was working full time. It was the struggle of balancing work and life and all that. And I used to say, there's got to be a better way. <laughs> right. And that's a question I hear a lot of people say that started their catalyst it was kind of their catalyst because what's the next question well what if there was a way what if there was just opening your mind up to that possibility that something could work out what if it did work out what would it look like you know just playing with that exploration in our mind can really create so much good I don't know it's more than just good vibes it's literally like (laughs) how new things are birthed, you know, like, yes. oh, I think you said that so well, Lindsay, like yeah. there's the sound bite right there. I think we could stop the conversation, you know, like <laughs> that's, no, no, let's keep going. No, no, of course. <laughs> I, I'm joking, but you, you know, like, I, I think that is the nut of it though. And, and it's this idea of just how do we shift our perspective? And I'm not talking about a full 180 shift. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's, that's a big change, right? A big perspective shift. But if you think about like the cruise ships, right? I mean, those cruise ships, they plot a course. You know, Vancouver, it's really famous for cruises up to Alaska, right? Like, so people come to Vancouver, they get on the cruise, they go to Alaska and back and beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. But here's the thing. If that cruise ship had a trajectory and it had a half a degree change, just a half a degree, well, those first three days as it heads north to Alaska, it's going to end up closer to Russia, right? Like, it's, it's amazing how that small fractional deviation of path can ultimately shift our perspectives completely. And mm-hmm. in a very short period of time, yeah. And I became hyper aware to this. Oh, oh, sorry, Siri. Every once in a while, when I say yes, is uh, my Siri starts talking to me. So uh, <laughs> she's very sensitive. Um, but uh, 
you know, that that simple shift in perspective mm-hmm. can change everything. And and that's what I needed. I, my wife challenged me in a very loving and caring way. And, and it wasn't ever, there was no animosity. Uh, but it was always like challenging me, though, you know, challenging me to to be more open minded. Yeah. And and that was what I needed, you know, to, to be perfectly fair, Lindsay, I needed that shift in perspective. Or, or to be fair, I, I would have just maintained what I was doing. And, and it wasn't going in a good direction. You know, the happiness was being challenged. You can only convince yourself so much, you know, and you can keep saying, oh, it's for the paycheck. You know, it gives our family stability. Yeah. But what's your happiness worth? Right. What's your joy worth? Right. What's your fulfillment worth? When you really get down to it, it's not a dollar and cents thing. It's a feeling thing, you know? And um, so I, I needed to get there. I had to go through that process. And I think that's what everybody has to go through. And I wish there was an easy way to do it, but it's really, as you said, Lindsay, it's a lot of introspection, a lot of reflection, and a lot of asking tough questions that we don't know the immediate answer to, but it's okay. That's you know? the part. You're right, right there. It's okay yeah. not to know. It's okay yeah. not to have the answer. I totally uh what's the word resonate with that mm, because mm, mm, mm. i am a i want to know it freak like <laughs> <laughs> i like that. I don't I like, like not that. knowing things even as a little girl i noticed this i i noticed this uh, this i literally had a thought coach when i was 19 and one of the one of the uh she called them nurturing tasks one of the nurturing tasks oh, that she okay. gave me was to say to myself it's okay not to know i mm. probably said that to myself thousand times I'm not exaggerating (laughs) because I learned like I was so much of a know-it-all mainly not because I wanted to be the guy to know it all but because I was so afraid to not know Uh, that fear because I didn't want to get it wrong I didn't want to be wrong you know I needed I needed that approval and that affection from people and that's Mm. in my mind having the answer was the way to do it but of course, that's stemming from my childhood and all that jazz. Like we all have our stuff, right? We all have yes, our baggage. <laughs> but that not knowing has actually been one of the hardest things to overcome in my journey mm. because I don't know how I'm going to get a log cabin in the woods or I don't know how this is going to play out. And feeling okay with the not knowingness mm. is a challenge. Like, how do you deal with that? How have you dealt with that? Well, to be fair, I'm still struggling with it. I do. And, and, and it's actually a big bone of contention with my wife and I, like full, full, full disclosure, you know, and she's probably listening to this and be like, no, it's a little TMI there, die. But, uh, you know, as we, we, as we joke, we always say raw and real is our deal, you know, and, uh, and I'm being raw and real right now. It, it is still a big thing that I I'm challenged by because I am I similar understand. to you, Lindsay. I'm very similar. Like I, I like to know because here's the thing. And for anybody that's ever had any sort of coaching or worked in any capacity to develop themselves personally or professionally, you'll you'll be familiar with what I'm about to share. We all want clarity, right? Because when we feel more clear, it gives us direction. (laughs) It allows us vision, perspective, but most importantly, confidence. And when we're feeling confident, we take action more and we procrastinate less. (laughs) which in turn continues to build more confidence, which can also bring us more clarity. So it's this sort of ebb and flow back and forth between these ideas of clarity, confidence, action, you know, and back and forth. And that's what we're all seeking. And for me, if I don't have a lot of clarity, meaning I don't know, (laughs) I feel my confidence and and the lack thereof. And, And so it holds me up. And I'll actually procrastinate. I'll put certain things off because of that. 
And that is my tendency. That is what I notice about myself. And it's still a work in progress. Okay. <laughs> I wish I could say, you know what, though, I'll tell fixed, you this. But, you know, I yeah. think though, that that happens sometimes for a reason. I don't know mm-hmm. if you're into spirituality or any mm-hmm. sort of connectivity with a higher power, but in my opinion, I feel like when I get that guidance and that clarity, mm-hmm. that's kind of like mm-hmm. God's message that this is the way to go. If I haven't gotten that yet, then it's okay to pause. Because it doesn't mean the idea is dead. It just means it's paused. I mean, yeah. as an entrepreneur, you know, you probably have a new idea every hour, you know, like yeah, it's right. just, like, it's yeah. exciting, but it's okay to not know how it's going to work out. Or mm-hmm. I might just say, okay, I don't know how it's all going to play out, but what is the next step? Can I at least take just the next step? And if I can find clarity on a baby scale, I go yes. for it. And if I can't, then I just wait. I just trust that mm-hmm. it's going to come. And I just kind of like put it out there. Okay, I'm ready for clarity on this when it's time. I'm gonna tell you what, it will happen. You will get, you will always get the clarity when you need it in the right time. Have you probably Mm -hmm. looked back and see that? That's true. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely true. And, you know, most of the time it's just getting out of my own way. And and I think this is common for entrepreneurs at times. Like we're, we're so used to that island, as I alluded to before, like it's very prominent and, and, and it's funny, even as your business scales, it still has that sense to it that there might not be people that fully understand because no one will appreciate the business as much as us as the owner of the business. Mm-hmm. And we can try to replicate ourselves and we can hope that people will take the business as seriously as we do. But to be fair, you know, we can't expect that of people. It's not their business. Yeah, They may treat it like such. They might love it like it's theirs. But at the end of the day, it doesn't have their name on the share certificate, <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> if any issues happen with the business, you know, the, the, the proverbial S hits the fan. Well, you know, who, who's on the hook for that? Not right. them, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, so all that pressure still lies on the entrepreneur's shoulder and the person that owns and operates the business. And, and that pressure is real. It's real, you know, and, and whether you're starting out and just getting started or you're, 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 you know, dealing with, with millions of dollars, it's, the pressure's the same. I don't think it's any different. The way we handle it might change because we hope that as we grow through those growing pains and those pressures, that we learn skills to navigate and develop more natural resiliency. So those big challenges, when we first start out later on, they're like little challenges. It's not even that big of a deal anymore. But trust me, there'll be a new bigger challenge to take its place. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, just, it's, that, it's that process, right? It's just Absolutely. Process. Yeah. Well, I mean, we learn as we, it's, wouldn't it be boring if we weren't learning? I think it would be. Oh yeah. I totally. love learning. So it's yeah. like, it's, it's what makes it fun. And then it's kind of a challenge at the same time. I mean, it's probably why maybe your old company wasn't working out because it just wasn't inspiring joy. You weren't learning new things and creating. And I don't know, maybe that that's part of it. Totally no, you know what? You're, you're not, you're not far, far off the mark there, Lindsay. And, and also to be fair, it was also uh, my business partner. I, he was 20 years, my senior, he was the money guy. Right. I was the workhorse. And uh, but we we had a good, solid relationship. He was really my first mentor in business. And I'd go as far as saving life. Mm-hmm. Um, that's sort of the kind of I mean, I, I put him on a pedestal for sure. You know, as a young guy in his 20s, you know, he's, he's 20 years my senior and had this life and lifestyle and kids. And just to me, it just what I believe was success. He was that epitome of it. Yeah. But as years progressed and as I grew and I made some changes, like I, I used to struggle with alcohol. That was my my crutch. It's how I used to deal with my stress, my overwhelm, deal with my social anxiety. Like 
that was a crutch. It was a very real crutch from the time I was about 18 through till about 33. So, so about 15 years of my life, that was my go-to. And it created a lot of challenges for my wife, myself, my family, even eventually to my business and, and some of those relationships with them. And, you know, I needed to make some big changes. And to be fair, that the, the business wasn't fully supportive uh, of where I was when I was going through my hardest time. And I allude to a little bit of this. I, I did a TEDx talk last year sharing my story around this and, and yeah. talking about how vulnerability really allowed me to, you know, getting comfortable with the skill of vulnerability, being able to ask for help, especially in my case. Uh, that was a skill I needed, but I hadn't developed until that point. And once I developed and started to lean into that, it was amazing how really quickly things started to change. And that's when I, I started to realize the path I was on just I'm not meant for this path anymore. And it's scary. Okay. As an entrepreneur, as someone that's even in a career in a nine, five, nine to five, where you've, you know, you get to a certain level and you're, you're making a certain amount and you know it really well, right? Like you think about it, five years, full time is about 10,000 hours. You know, if you've been at a place for 10 years, that's about 20,000 hours at full time. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're basing it on the 40 hour work week, which often it's a lot more than that. Okay. But, right. but if we go off those numbers and this idea of outliers and, and, and that compounding of time for expertise, I mean, it's a hard thing to try to imagine trying to make a big change, at, especially after 10 years of doing something so oh, well. Yeah. Well, everything oh, you just said, Di, you know, like yeah. struggling with alcoholism, working in a job where you, you are, it was evident to me just hearing you talk about the word pressure. There mm. was a lot of pressure on you. And mm. even though he was the money guy, it looked like everybody in the company was looking to you for the answers. It sounds like anyway. And that is creating this uh, cyclical experience so to speak of mm. trying to be there for everybody and I understand what that's like I didn't I didn't run a company but being a manager of multiple people and having everybody looking at yeah. me feeling like I always had to be on that's what I used to call mm. it like I, I couldn't have a bad yes. day right that right. puts a lot of pressure on somebody and then to try to go home and be joyful for your family it's like that's an mm. impossible thing to be and I can completely visualize the space that you were in and to see that transition you made, that is huge. I mean, really. Thank you. Thank you. It was, wasn't easy. I, I'll be the first to say that, but, but I can attest it was very worth it, <laughs> you know, like yeah. really worth it. And, uh, but when you're going through change just for everybody that's, you know, navigating big, small, doesn't matter. It, it, it's going through it, it. It's like all you can see in front of you, right? Like is, is, the struggle is the, or as we say, the struggle with the juggle, right? That is life and trying to find this balance. And, and you know, we, I hear people say work-life balance. I'm like, it doesn't exist. I'm sorry. It doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, because as soon as you focus on one area, your, your eyes are now there, not on the other thing, you know, and we can only look at one thing at a time. We can only manage one thing at a time. So it's all about commitment management, not time management, right? Mm -hmm. We got to manage our commitments and our priorities and where we're focusing that energy on a day-to-day. -day. And I didn't understand that fully until I started to make this change professionally. Because then I, I, I to, to answer the question that you asked right at the beginning, you know, this idea of reverse engineering the life that you want, build that vision. And I know, Lindsay, this is your sweet spot. Like you build vision, you tell a story, but you get very clear in what you want. I mean, you talked about the idea of, you know, I want the cabin in the woods, you know, you, you build a vision of what you want. And then like a lot of good people do, especially in the, the development space, and we see this in the software space, especially, you reverse engineer from the result you want backwards. Why don't we do that with our life? 
Right. You know, why not work backwards and to figure out what are the best steps to get there? Okay, here's and then why. all you do is start walking, you know? <laughs> you already answered the question. <laughs> because we're not committed to the end result, right? I mean, you said that you said that that life is about managing your commitment. And what happens is, and this is the part where we all fall into the trap prior to making that big change, is our commitments are running us. We're not running them, mm. right? We're stuck in that nine to five, or we're stuck in working for our business, our company. And we believe that we are held hostage by the situation that we're in. Mm. When in reality, it's our commitment to that situation that's holding us hostage. But it's Mm. like a subconscious thing. We don't even realize we're doing it because it feels like it's an outside circumstance impacting our life. But like you said, when we manage our commitment and we make that shift, it's a simple five degree pivot or 1% pivot, whatever you were saying, that one little stitch of a change that says, what if my commitment was to my big picture goal? What if it was going to be, this is my lifestyle. I'm going to tell you what, every serious thing that you thought was so serious in your job, in your life, suddenly just drops like 10 notches when you're, I call it the give a shit factor. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I like that. It's I a like song. That. It's a Miranda Lam- Lambert song, a country song. Ah, She's like, cool. my give a shit's done or something like that. I forgot how she worded it, but it's funny. And it's so true, right? Like our focus shifts over here to something else and all this noise suddenly just, because you realize this is going to be the past and yes, it's like a right. miracle right, right then. Like that is a miracle that just happened. I like this. That's, that's great way of sort of uh, just, just painting that picture. You know, and uh, I, I think it's, you know, it's fun when you start to realize that you are in control, at least in control of creating the intentionality and then getting clear on, well, what's the first action I can take that moves me forward with this? You know, at least brings me closer to that vision. Because once you have the destination or the result that you're looking to build into, it just gives us direction. It doesn't tell us the exact map. It's not like you have this blueprint. It's like, okay, I got to put A to B to C and now I'll have this result. I, I wish it worked that way. It just right. doesn't, you know, like right. I, at least I haven't found a model that works that way yet. Um, but we got direction. And it's that, again, back to that clarity and confidence. Because once you have direction, at least you know roughly which way to go. And now it's just, so you start moving that way. How did that look you know? like for you? Your wife stripping you with like, tidbits of let's travel you finally open your mind to the idea that it could possibly work right that possibility and then what like how did that work look for you based on me being the coo and the cmo uh you know i had sort of the two titles i I handled operations and sales and marketing you know like some pretty integral pieces of the business and you know but fortunately for me we had some really talented people on our team so i i I would support them we would in turn support some of the other support staff and uh and team players and um but i knew that me transitioning away from this business if not done properly could hurt the business and so i gave 18 months notice you know, it was like a full year and a half to transition me out of the business. And and even then, you know, the, the funny thing is, and I'm just going to share this because I bet you there's people listening to this. Like when we're in a role where we feel like, man, we're very important, I'd go as far as say we're an integral role. And, you know, like if I leave, like it's oh, the business will suffer, you know, like it, it's just it's ego. OK, for one uh, speaking. And we want to believe that we bring tremendous value to the business. And and we do, we do. But you know what? Businesses will live on. 
you know, they will continue to operate. They will continue. And that's the thing that I learned very quickly. I was like, I, I believe that I was much more important than I was. Okay. Let's just say it that way. And it was a wonderful lesson to learn because I realized, you know, like it's me in my own head, believing that I <laughs> bring all this, you know, and because I have 17 years of experience and expertise and building this business and, you know, like to be able to replace me and won't be able, you know, like it was just, it was so funny. Well, it and it's brought, it's brought my ego, reality because you know? everybody looks up yeah. to you. Like, yeah. I know what you're saying. And I think, and I want to hit this point a little bit because sure. it's really true. People who are working, mm -hmm. who feel like they cannot walk away or the whole thing will mm -hmm. fall apart. And yeah. the reality is we feel like that because the people around us are conditioned to rely on us. But when they are faced with the reality that we may not be there, they will persevere. Like they just will so, find another way. And it's just making like goes back to making that commitment and deciding that yeah. no, this is how it's going to be. And let me help you get your little feet under you. But you're right. I mean, I bet you everybody was probably coming to you for everything. You probably thought nobody can make a decision without me here. What are they going to do if I leave? I mean, there's that pressure again. It, it is. And, and, you know, my identity for a good chunk of this, and this is also what created a lot of the, the, the struggles around alcohol, was I believe so much of my identity was tied to my profession, my title, my position the authority I believe that I wielded, you know, like it's just wild, right? Like in my twenties and my early thirties, that's what I believed. It's just, that was it, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and to be fair, the way it was positioned with some of the people I networked with and I connected with and, and spent most of my time with, especially professionally, shared a lot of the same beliefs, you know, yeah. and, and values. And, uh, you know, when you start to really understand the influence of people around us, uh, gosh, it doesn't take much to, to all of a sudden start questioning, gosh, these inputs, I keep complaining about my outputs or lack of outputs, but what's going in? <laughs> what am I feeding myself with every day? What, what am I valuing? What am I prioritizing? And, and what do I believe? And, and, you know, when you start to actually challenge a lot of those things and just ask questions, right? Like when I say challenge, I'm not like, you're going to challenge your beliefs to a, a fisticuff, right? Like it's, it's, it's just simply saying, why do I believe that? Yeah. Like, why do I prioritize that? Why do I feel that way about that idea? You know, and even my relationship with money, like that had to get changed too, mm. you know, around income and how much I earn. And because I had this certain belief that that was a big reason why I didn't believe I could leave to begin with. That I didn't think it was possible. I was like, well, how am I going to leave an income like this? How would I even replace this income? Mm -hmm. You know, it's taken me 17 years to get to this place. And yes. I want to just up and walk away from it. Like there's all these fears that start to become very real. But when I really started to look at it, and this is where it was wonderful to have the family onboarded in this engineering process of the lifestyle that we wanted as a family. And when we started to look at all those things that we wanted to see change and prioritize, very few of them actually cost any money. And, you know, until you go through that exercise, you just don't really realize that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I quit my career 17 years. My wife a month later quit hers. Two months after wow. that, we pulled the kids out of school, gave away all our stuff. Packed up the back of the SUV and just started going south. It was like January, right? And January in Vancouver, just like Seattle, it's not pleasant. It's yeah. rainy and it's gray and wet. And, and we're like, no, we got to go find sun. So we just started traveling south. And that's how we kicked off five years of traveling. And what? listen, we did not have the means. We did not have the savings. Uh, I didn't exit out of a business at a good time. I didn't get that much from it. You know, it was barely six figure buyout like it was really quite low um by any standards and uh but 
I didn't want to be there anymore. And we had enough going on on the side that when we got honest with each other, we're like, okay, well, if we want to just be traveling like this and, you know, we take, we were very careful with budgeting around the travel side. And, and we were just like, you know what, with the amount that we got coming in with this side business that I had started, we got enough to support us. Yeah. We're okay. We'll be okay. And I can keep building that too. Right. Right. So that that's that's what we needed to to get to that place to to be able to fully embrace it and just and when i'm saying embrace it embrace the fear and move forward anyways right like it was just like let's just do it because what's the worst that could happen you know right. we're both employable like we yes. run out of money it's like hey mom dad can we sleep on your couch for a month or two while we just you know reset and get settled like, of course we have family that care about us friends that care about us they would give us a place to stay if we needed it for a little bit and that was the worst that could happen that was the worst isn't so, that amazing asking yourself what is I used to do that oh my gosh I forgot I did that what's the worst that can happen and then I would say oh I might end up living on the streets you know my fear would just yes. and I'm like really you yes. think you would ever actually end up living on the streets get over yourself <laughs> you know you would go get a job <laughs> like this is Lindsay yeah. talking to Lindsay up here <laughs> it gets a little crazy on this end you start thinking about all your friends right that care yeah. about you as well and your family like we we know that we're gonna be okay we're going to be okay. You well, know, and we I think too, I mean, sometimes we get stuck. Like you said, we feel like we're on an Island and that's a, ver that's mm. a mindset thing too, because even as an entrepreneur feeling like you're on an Island, cause you have all the pressure and all the people looking at you. Mm. But when we are in our family situation, mm. right. And we want to make this big, huge change. Yeah. We don't think about I never once thought, oh, my family would take me in. I mean, yeah, of course they would have, but I would never have thought it. Like that didn't even dawn on me as a solution. I was like, I'd figure it out. I know I'd figure it out. And so interesting though. Also, how old were your kids when you did that? When you guys took off on that okay, five-year so hiatus? 10 and 12. What, what, what did they say about that? Were they excited? They were excited. Yeah. You, you know, they were both, was my eldest, I think was... She would have been going into grade eight and my youngest would have been going into grade six. And um, yeah, that's right. Grade six. Uh, they were excited. Yeah. Now, keep in mind, in, in the way we raised our kids, like we took them everywhere with us. Like we wouldn't often get sitters. We would just take them to what we were doing. Mm -hmm. So Toastmasters meeting, I would take them to networking groups. Sometimes they come watch me compete in CrossFit at different competitions around North America. Like we just took them with us. And so they would have this opportunity to experience being around people, being around events and situations, because <clears throat> we knew that that would be a great education opportunity for them, a great way for them to learn and to grow and and develop real practical life skills, you know, and uh, doing that, you know, when it got came that time to have the discussion and saying, hey, this is what we're thinking of doing. Like, what do you guys think? And they're like, yeah, let's do it. You know, for them, it was also like, mm, we don't have to go to school. All right. Yay. <laughs> you know, like, um Education is obviously still important, but sure. we went a different route for the education, right? Mm -hmm. Rather than the traditional showing up in a classroom day in, day out. And and the cool thing is a lot more people now are open to understanding how that's possible based on what we've experienced the last couple of years, right? Oh, like yes. we, we I bet you we don't have to be in a classroom, you know? Class about all the yeah. stuff they learned traveling that isn't even taught in school anyway. Totally. And yeah. and you know, when it did come time for us to get them back into regular school, because we always told them that if they wanted to return to Vancouver to finish high school, we would honor that. And sure enough, you know, after, you know, five years of traveling, we spent the last two and a half years in Bali, Indonesia. Um, and uh, 
you know, they played the card. They're like, yeah, we want to go back to Vancouver and finish high school there. So we did that. We transitioned back and it just happened. You know, it's funny how the world just, you talked about the higher power, right? Things work out. Well, we came back and by the time, you know, they came back six months before me, I had, you know, retreats and stuff still going. So I couldn't leave quite yet. So they came back, got set up in Vancouver again. I joined them six months later. It was six weeks after I came back, the lockdown happened. Oh my God. And it isn't, isn't it wild? It just just all worked out. Yeah. It just worked out, you know, it's not planned. It just worked out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. See, and you weren't even worried about how it was going to work out and it just happened. (laughs) Yeah. No, and and we didn't. Yeah. Like, it's just amazing. Right. Like it's that idea of sometimes just letting go and and just presuming that, you know, things will work out. Well, sometimes when I'm worried about it, like (laughs) we're talking about. I, when I find myself like all caught up in that, what is going to happen? What if, what if I go and I think about all the things that I didn't worry about that worked out. And I'm like, if all that can work out without my obsession, I'm sure this is going to work out too. (laughs) Absolutely. And it usually does, you know, it usually does. And my wife's very good at always reminding me of that. Sometimes when I'm in the, you know, like really in the thick of something and dealing with some stress or some overwhelm, it's, I know that I have to choose to stay positive, choose to let go and just, you know, trust that things are going to be okay. My wife just naturally does that. You know, it's like breathing to her. It's just the way she's always been. And so it's refreshing, but at times also frustrating. Okay. Like from me, because I'm so, I I am quite different. Now I've come a lot closer to her side of things now because of the constant conditioning, (laughs) right. And, and repeating this process, and I'm, I believe it now, you know, where I, I think it, you know, before I would just call it wishful thinking, I'd call it coincidence, where now I don't believe that anymore, you know, seven years later, or it's actually more than that, almost eight years later, and so many amazing things have happened in our lives. We've also had a lot of, you know, not so nice things, lost both of our grandparents, lost my father, you know, lost some really close friends, and, you know, nothing replaces those losses, you know? Um, And they're challenging times because those are hard reality moments, right? That Mm -hmm. time is passing. It is limited and it can be a blessing, but also at the same time, it can be really hard, you know, because it it does create a a lot of fearful emotions and concerns and worries, anxiety, stress, overwhelm. I mean, you name it. And, but it's also, what's the lesson in that? You know, what's the lesson in, in recognizing that? Yeah. Time is passing for me. It was, important to go through some of those processes because it's only made me more confident in knowing that we did the right things yeah you know for us for us and uh yeah and I I wish there was an easier way to say it but it it, sometimes we just have to get out of our own way and and trust that it's gonna be okay you know like and just go for it because what is the worst that can happen so what was it like for you leaving your family like uh, so when I moved I had both of my parents had passed away. My grandma had mm-hmm. had died. I was bringing my grandpa with me. My sister had already moved yeah. away. You know, it was like, I didn't really have a really close knit family. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in some ways, I think if grandma hadn't passed, I don't know if I would have left when I did, but mm-hmm. I know that's a thing for a lot of people that holds them back. Yeah. It's not always the job or the money. It's sure. their family. They're very, very family centric. What was that like for you? For my wife, it was more difficult. For me, I, I grew up in just outside of Toronto, but when I graduated high school in 1995, I was like, okay, finished high school. Two months later, I was living in Vancouver. You know, I was like, I can't wait to get out of here. You know, <laughs> I, I wanted to, to 
be independent. I wanted my own life and I wanted to live on the West Coast. You know, I wanted to get out of Toronto. And uh, so for me, making that move and we had a small family, my parents separated and divorced when we were younger, which sort of estranged us from some of the people on my father's side of the family. We didn't really see them that much. It wasn't really close knit. So it was really my brother and I, my mom, you know, and, and we'd see my dad uh, sporadically. And so when I moved, eventually my brother moved out here and my mom a year and a half ago also relocated here with my stepdad to Vancouver. So it's funny how now, you know, many years later, they're all here. Yeah. <laughs> um, but why it was so challenging for my wife is she's uh, one of six siblings. Oh, my the eldest of those six. Yeah. Big family and yeah. uh, very tight family. Very tight. So for her, it was certainly challenging. We we had to ensure that she had the opportunity to come back and visit fairly regularly. Right. You know, minimally every four to five months, she would come back and have a little two week tour of going around to see all the family to get that mm-hmm. face time and, and energy time. And uh, and that worked really well for her. That's uh, wasn't so that's important for me, solution. but great for her. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. I think that's a great solution, though, for anybody who's stuck in that maybe their holdup, like, oh, near, oh, no, I have such a huge family. We're so close. What would I do without them? Da, da, da. I mean, setting yourself up and planning for that. We're talking yes. about planning your perfect life, right? Making it a possibility to go back and whatever is right for you. If that's every four months, if it's twice a year, whatever the case may be. I know my sister and I are super close. My little mm-hmm. sister, I have two sisters and we do a trade-off. Like last year we went to her house for Thanksgiving. This year she's mm-hmm. coming up here at the holidays. And so it's kind of, it's been that's kind great. of fun to get to travel to and go see oh, her. I like that. I like yeah. that because also that compromise is great, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's plus you you don't have to always host. <laughs> you <know? Right. laughs> and sometimes it's nice not to host, especially I'll oh. tell you with my wife's family. I'm like, I don't want to ever host. It is a mess. Like, <laughs> you know, and it is stressful. Like I often joke about, with my wife about this, like right from the get-go when we started dating, you know, like I remember that first Christmas going back with her to to, to her family. And I mean, it was nuts. I, I, me, I, like I told you, it was my brother and my mom, right? And yeah. all of a sudden going into it, we got like 30 people in a room, you know, and I'm like, I need a vacation right now. You know, <laughs> like, I, I couldn't handle it. It was like anxious. And, and uh, but, you know, I, I've since grown to love it. I mean, it's just such a different dynamic. And, yeah. Uh, and it is amazing, but it, it's a different energy than I grew up with. Okay. Like it, it was very oh, foreign yeah. for me. And uh, so I can appreciate both sides of the fence. And uh, I think what you said, Lindsay, is spot on, you know, this, this idea of finding the compromise with your family, because if family and friends truly love you, like really love you and are supportive of you trying to create and live your best life, then they'll support you, mm-hmm. you know, but if they're of this thing where they're coming from a personal perspective and fearing loss and missing you, like, again, remember what's triggering that it's, it's them dealing with you leaving. It's nothing that we're doing. It's just the relationship with that shift and how things are. Mm-hmm. And it involves change. And most of us are fairly change averse. We just are by nature. We like things to be consistent. We like to know what to expect. right? <laughs> and, and when we don't, it, it, it creates grief, you know, challenges, overwhelm. It, and our brains are very good at filling in the blanks. And it often goes to the negative, not to the positive. Right. So it's true. like, it, it, yes. it's amazing what happens when you understand the psychology around change as well and, uh, and fear. And, Anyways, it's, um, it's pretty powerful. I mean, this has just been an incredible conversation. I'm loving the journey you guys went on that you took your kids for five years. I mean, I didn't even know that. I don't know how I missed that in your bio, but somehow went over my head when you. I was like, what? Really? (laughs) 
cool. you know, to, to be fair, you know, like it's it's funny. I I've talked about this story a few times, and those that have been following along with us online that they're aware of it. But it's now been a couple of years removed, right? And and because of COVID and and the lockdowns and all, like it just it's felt really weird. I came right back from Bali in this lifestyle to lockdown, you know, <laughs> like just this massive contrast. And as such, it's only been in the last six months. I actually feel like we're starting to get a groove back. Mm, I, wow. So I, I, I know the challenge is real. I know we've all been navigating this in our own way, but it's tough, you know, to be, to have change forced upon us mm-hmm. where we don't feel like we get the option to choose. Right. <laughs> you know? and, well, you, and, yeah. yeah. And that's tough too. It's tough. So what are you doing these days then? Mm-hmm. Are you teaching people how to live their best lifestyle? Is that like your primary focus or what is it that you have? What's your program? Well, I I love to help people with change, you know, just navigating change. And and often it's not only navigating the changes we want, but it's getting really clear with what kind of person do we want to be? Mm-hmm. You know, what are, what are my true values? You know, what is the non-negotiable in my life? And how do I want to make a difference in this world? Right? Oh, like the, the, these are my language. Oh, but those are the most important questions as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. You know, like, and, you know, it sounds like we're of the same cloth. Okay. And those are important questions. And, and you know, there's one book. If, if there's one thing people take away from our conversation today, Lindsay, go get this book. The book is called Man's Search for Meaning by Dr. Viktor Frankl. Oh, it, that guy's amazing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But this is his book. You know, the first half is really his memoir of his experience in navigating concentration camps during World mm-hmm. War II. And he went to all of them, or most of them, but all, especially he also ended up in Auschwitz for a period. And to hear the story and to, to, to I mean, it's, I, I'll never do it justice, but it, it, what a challenging thing to, for anyone to experience. Yes. It's from a level of suffering, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but just real quick, uh, on the second half of the book, he talks all about some of the things that he observed, the psychology, because he was a doctor of psychology. So he had this very interesting perspective to be able to not only observe himself, but observe what was happening around him. And from that emerged his uh, teaching, or uh, I guess we call it more of a, a process or a protocol, uh, philosophy maybe might be a better term, um, called logotherapy. And it's this whole idea of aligning purpose, vision, mission, you know, really this, this sense of meaning in our lives with our lives, like using that as the guiding light for our lives. And, and so he, he has this incredible framework that emerged from this extremely difficult period of time. And most, you know, most people don't have a positive outcome like he had. And especially he lost all his family, immediate family, his wife, kids, parents, friends, like literally everybody that he loved, he lost. And yet still being able to come out of this and create such a, a powerful body of work that has literally shifted the entire uh, psychology space as far as how do we find meaning and to find meaning in our own lives. Like it's just, it's eye-opening, but it's also uh, yeah. a, a good good soul food, so to speak, because it gives you this this feeling of of clarity. Oh, yeah. you know, and confidence. And and so it's one of those books I try to read at least once every year to two years, uh, along with The Alchemist is the other one. Oh, I love that one. Yeah, me too. I didn't even know Victor wrote a book. I don't know how I was like, how did I not know that? I know his story. I think I must have heard it on a YouTube channel or something where they were talking about. And I guess it didn't occur to me he had authored a book. But I love the story about how he was served a bowl of muddy, dirty, yucky water with 
fish head or something like that, a skull of whatever. And he found beauty in that. And I've, I've shared that with my kids, like, you know, look for the beauty in what's around you. And we get to choose the meaning like of That's what right. things are around us. It's uh, very powerful. Oh my gosh. We could go on for another hour. Oh, uh, we could, we could, <laughs> I know. And, uh, but those questions just, just for, you know, to sort of close the loop on that, it, it's when you find a framework of questions and they're not questions that you should be able to answer easily. I, I, I like to qualify that for people, you know, like if it's an answer that you're just like, Oh, it's this. I would challenge you and, and or invite you to maybe go a little bit deeper on the introspection, to, to, to sit with the question, to really explore it. Because it's not something that we just invent. It is something that we discover. And the only way to discover is you either got to go in or you got to go out <laughs> and you got to figure out which way yeah. and often it's back and forth. So um, <laughs> it, enjoy the process, you know, because that's where all the growth and all the fun does happen. But it, it's not always you know, pleasant. There's going to be times where things are like, oh, my gosh, you start questioning why you do anything. But it's OK. You're going to be OK. And what's going to come out on the other side will only make the rest of life that much better. Right. And, uh, but trust the process, trust yourself and, you know, have fun. Just have fun. Keep smiling. Because if you're not smiling every day, you've got room for improvement. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so true. Absolutely. I love that. This is great. Where can people find you? Oh, thank you. Uh, you know, I'm fairly active on social media, but the main channels I'm most active on is Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Okay. And I always say to people, just reach out to me on any of those platforms. If you can spell my name, you'll find me. It's a very unique name. Di is a Welsh name for David. Manuel is a Portuguese last name. So you can imagine Welsh and Portuguese. And as I tell everybody, I'm just Canadian, don't worry about it. You know, like, or I should say, don't worry, boot it. Uh, but uh, <laughs> regardless, you know, those are how we can have a great conversation. And that's what I'm all about. I'm all about having conversations, sharing stories. So reach out. And, and if you do like to read or watch videos and listen to content, my website has 1700 articles and counting all geared on how to unlock yourself to live your best life. And uh, it's just, like it's a rabbit hole so uh have fun with that awesome oh man this has yeah. just been incredible thank you so much for reaching out and joining us here on the podcast um truly you guys go check out die on social media of course we'll link it below i'll put your website down there as well um thank you so much this has just been a true pleasure if you like mommy so leave a review Thank you so much for being a loyal listener. I am truly grateful for you. And if this podcast has inspired you in any way, head over to iTunes and leave a written review. I would appreciate it so much. Thanks for tuning in and thanks for helping to spread the word by sharing this show with your friends.